where we match books with delicious food and drink. I'm Justine the Librarian and I'll be chatting with various purveyors of magical elixirs to discover just what makes them so delicious. I'll then suggest which books I think will pair perfectly for a wonderful reading experience. Jamsheed Urban Winery is a fully functioning winery housed in a rather large warehouse in Preston. The space, like the wine, is packed with personality with an industrial brewery feel on one level and a cosy lounge and pool room on another. Gary and I sat in the lounge area of this working winery and had a lovely chat about three of his many beautiful wines, how he fell into the winemaking business, and how a winery is similar to an author. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today, Gary. It is great to finally be here at Jamsheed. So I know before you became a winemaker, you taught English in Japan, and when you returned to Australia, you had an epiphany and began working in the vineyards of Margaret River. I have been looking at your website. <laughs> um, can you it's tell not me? Stalking, it's, it's research. No, exactly, it's research. Can you tell me a little bit about that epiphany? Uh, yeah, well, I was working. I was working as a Japanese-speaking tour guide in Cairns, in far north Queensland, and it was good fun. I mean, it was you know I enjoy speaking Japanese, and um, and the, the bottom fell out of the market when the bubble economy burst. So I just made a phone call to my dad, who was living in Margaret at the time, saying, "Look, I just want a break. I just want to come and hang out on the beach and." surf and you know take some sun and take take some time to think about what I want to do next is so to him do you know anyone who's got any work going he's got oh yeah mate down the road he's got a vineyard I'll, I'll see if he's got any work there and and then you know so I'm back and then six months later there's a job come up in the winery so I went to work there and then purely serendipitously because I could speak Japanese I got I applied for some positions in California not really knowing when you know what I was going into and then this one company very good winery called Ridge Vineyards in Santa Cruz Mountains in California just happened to have been taken over by a Japanese pharmaceutical company we were looking for someone who could speak Japanese and work in the winery I think I had a fairly niche market yeah <laughs> the stars aligned yeah and I never sort of looked back from there so that was I really didn't know much when I went over there so everything I sort of learned about winemaking came from the guru Paul Draper who I worked for in California it was like a gold card to the industry, really. So, Amazing. Yeah. But then um, what made you settle in Victoria after working, you know, in other places uh, in Australia I, and around the world? Well, I came back. I, I sort of left California after about, well, I left USA after about three years and came back. And I, I fell in love with the vineyards here. I fell in love with Victoria and Sarah and met also the woman who would later become my wife. That helps. That helps, yeah. <laughs> Not together anymore. But um, so that sort of forced me... Just, I never intended to settle in Victoria. Um, I just came across this one really good vineyard, started farming that, started making some wine, and then lo and behold, Jamsheed was born. And 17 years later, here we sit. Yeah. He'd asked me sort of 17 years ago if I thought I'd be in this position with my own urban winery. A label's been going 17 years, I would have laughed at it because there's been no business plan, there's been no forecasting of, of economic growth. Being pure luck, stubbornness, and yeah. I think you make your own luck, clearly. Well, I think, yeah. I mean, look, I know that I can make a good bottle of wine. I've made some pretty bad business decisions in the past, you know, but 
thankfully I've just scratched and like I said stubbornness mm. and resilience you know to get you through to that point absolutely yeah. well um, shall we taste the first wine the first sure. jam sheet wine now I am I have never tasted any jam sheet wines before mm-hmm. and I'm I'm wrapping myself over the knuckles because they yeah. look amazing so what is this first one uh, so this is a Beechworth Rissan it's 2018 Rissan from the Warner Vineyard in Beechworth so Rissan um, if you don't know is you've probably drunk it before without even knowing what it is but it's a in, in the Northern Rhone or in the Rhone Valley, there's 13 permissible white varieties allowed in a Rhone white blend. So Roussan, Marsan, Viognier, Boubalon, there's some crazy names, you know, Claret, Grenache Gris, Grenache Blanc, all these different really cool, Boubalon's one of my favorite wine names in the world. But Roussan's one of those, I always see it as like the basic building block of that blend. It's really that deep earthy, it's not a fruit driven wine. Um, it's much more, it, it, it it's all about the texture and the layers that it can provide. So th- this vineyard in particular um, is a highly elevated Beechworth vineyard. So it's about 500 meters above sea level on deep granite soils, which I do think Rassam requires to have any sense of character and intensity um, and flavor. Rassam grown on anything but sort of mineral soils looks a bit flabby and a bit wishy-washy because it can be, it's a really high pH grape. So you need that sort of tension that you get from, because granite imposes this kind of flinty um, it's a kind of reductive quality. It's almost like gun smoke on the wines. And you see it in this wine. It's kind of like a, an empty shotgun shell because we all know what empty shotgun shells smell like. But, <laughs> you know, but that's a farming thing, I guess. Um, so it's a wine that's deeply layered with texture. I always see like honeysuckle buttercup. Um, and then there's that kind of gun smoke. Some sort of, there's some estuary kind of banana-y, pineapple notes through it as well. Yeah, look, it's really gentle, actually. It's yeah. creamy, but then you can, it's got a... On the back end, it's it's got a thickness and a sort of that, that layer, which I guess is what you're talking about when you talk about gun smoke, and yep. um, it does cut through as mm. well. So wild herbs, like there's real sort of savage about it too, which I love. You know, I mean, the, the for me, the worst wine in the world is a boring wine. Mm. You know, a two-dimensional wine. It, I'd, I'd far prefer to drink a wine with small amount of faults, not you know, everything in balance, but it's got real character. And that's what I love about this being It always throws out these wines of interesting character. And there's a tang to this as well, like yeah. a zing to it. Zestiness. Yeah. yeah. And that's life, you know, that's what you need to see in wine. And there's a number of things you can do in the winery that are completely unnecessary. The, the one thing I took from when I worked in California, I remember the one thing that Paul Draper instilled in me, the, the best thing ever instilled is that the hardest thing to do is to do nothing in the winery. So, because there's always the, the sort of tendency and, and the... the um, the, the sort of dip, or the, the attraction just to fiddle with the wine and do this, do that, filter it, overwork this, it, add that, overwork it exactly. But if you get good fruit from a good vineyard, and let do its thing, and it doesn't go off, then you got a good result. Or at least you got an interesting wine. And he has. It's definitely interesting. Mm. Well, are you keen to know what book I matched? Yeah, go on. <laughs> Fascinating. It took me a while. I loved the tasty notes you sent me, and um, I really picked up on that honeysuckle, buttercup, and that chamomile. To me, chamomile is that gentle. It's the one you like the, the tea you drink to go to sleep kind of thing. Sleepy one. So yeah. <laughs> and then I thought I thought well, fleshy and grapefruity though, and tropical. Those are very different, you know. So from the bouquet to the palate. Um, from the nose to the mouth, it's, mm. it seems to have a difference. Um, and I, I thought of this book because it is a textural, fleshy, sassy and earthy kind of book. So it's Fried Green Tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe by Fanny Flagg. Have you ever read the book? I, I think I have read it years ago. Yes, mm-hmm. I, I, It's a classic you, nowadays. You say I've actually seen the movie. Oh, so. uh, look. But yeah, that's the book fine. definitely. <laughs> I'm very much a book before the movie kind of guy. 
Well, I am. I am. As a librarian, I am. And uh, anybody who's listened to this podcast will know I'm usually very much book is better always. Um, This is one where I actually think it's on par. I think the book is better, but only just. And I think they're both very different things. And I think the movie is a very good version, um, but it's not quite the book. Um, So a bit about it. This book starts out as the story of two women in the 1980s grey-headed Mrs Ninny Threadgood telling her life story to Evelyn, who is in the sad slump of middle age. The tale she tells is also of two women, of the irrepressibly daredevilish tomboy Iggy and her friend Ruth, who back in the 30s ran a little place in Whistlestop, Alabama, a southern cafe offering good barbecue and good coffee and all kinds of love and laughter, even an occasional murder. So there's your gunshot, isn't there? Uh, Although I don't think think that's how it happened. (laughs) The tale is told in snippets as the narrative jumps across time and space with various narrators. At the heart of the novel is the relationship between Iggy and Ruth. Ruth's doomed marriage to Frank Bennett and the tragedy within that marriage is foreshadowed early, but the author drags on the suspense till the very end about what actually happened to Frank Bennett and whether Iggy had anything to do with it. There are also other dramas surrounding non-traditional families, the 1930s modern woman, racism, and small town life. It's a delightful, moving, sassy, textural, fleshy and earthy read, uh, which I think deserves to be read whilst drinking a delicious wine like this one. Um, so what do you think? Yeah, great. Sounds Good all right. Yeah. You might have to reread it. I'll, I'll definitely have to go back and have a look at it again. Because <laughs> I, I fell in love with the stories of Flannery O'Connor. It was mm. one of my first things I started reading. And I love that sort of 30s, 40s mystique of the deep south in America. It's, it's intriguing, isn't it? Oh, it pulls you in. Yeah. Just like the wine. It's almost a suspended reality of a difference. It's quite a different, especially looking at it from 2020, to mm. go and read that kind of a book. You really yeah. do have to suspend a lot of things, oh, yeah. don't you? Yeah, totally different. World. But also, it's a, I love the texture that, you know, places like Alabama that provide, you can almost, when, when it's well written, you can feel the kind of humidity and you can feel the everything you can feel the racism you can feel the, the the totally different gender politics going on and, and you know just the, the it almost feels like a closed society in a way like that and it's a slower so slower pace a gentler slower pace, pace. yeah mm. but then also prone to quite acts of violence which i think is hidden violence and interesting yeah, which is fascinating mm. well Gary, tell me a little bit more about being an urban winery. What exactly does that mean? And clearly, you know, this particular wine that we've just tasted is from Beechware. So do you source your grapes from just that area or from no, all I over? Have, I have my own vineyard that I farm in Yarra, so Wandan East. We're actually going to start harvesting tomorrow, which will be fun. Um, it, it's been a dream that I've had for a long... It's, it's actually something I brought back with me from when I worked in the States. Like, we came across a lot of urban wineries, obviously in Portland, there's a lot. Um, there was a couple in California that I found. Uh, Rosenbaum Cellars, which used to be down on the docks in Oakland. So it's a kind of a dream I brought back with me next, you know, 17 years ago. So I started actively looking for a site four and a half years ago. We kind of, as a small producer like me, we're, we're kind of getting priced out of the Arif. It's getting far too expensive. It's the playground of the billionaire. So we can't, you know, it's a, bizarrely enough, it's, it's cheaper for me to do this in the city than it is to build a winery or convert somewhere into the Yarra Valley. Um, I also have the added advantage of having direct-to-customer sales. So it's less a cellar door, more a wine bar. Um, you know, we just play music. We've got a great wood fired pizza oven. Uh, yeah, it's been fun. We opened the doors the Thursday before Christmas last year. So it's been a bit of a blur since then, seven days a week, because I'm staffing the bar myself and doing everything, which is great. I wouldn't have it any other way, you know. It's a great space. Do you do the grape stomping on site? We make everything here. Yeah. You make everything. So we, 
Yeah, so I have my vineyard in the Yarra, uh, which we we bring all the fruit to here. And places like Beechworth are guys who grow for me, so um, I take all the fruit from the vineyard. I make a little bit of wine for the owner, but we do it all here. So the whole idea is this is a fully functioning urban winery. That's brilliant. So you can have the sights, the sounds, the smells. I love it. I love it. Um, all right, shall we move on to the next wine? Sure. You need a drink up. Oh, I do. I'm good at that. I've got you talking too much. So, Candy Flip is uh, a Pet Nat. Um, pet Nat stands for Petillon Natural. It's all the rage at the moment. It's what all the cool kids are drinking. So. Um, Petillon Natural means that part of the fermentation has occurred in the bottle to capture the carbon dioxide to make it sparkling. So Petillon Natural stands for Natural Sparkling. It's, so very, it's kind of like a very pretty color too. Yeah, it's a lovely color. Yeah, so I mean, rosé is great for everything. Um, this is such a versatile, um, wide range. It goes with every cuisine. You can just drink it on its own. You can smash it with spicy food, with complex food. Just drink a lot of beer. It's kind of Pet Nat's become the the wine equivalent of beer now. It's just very drinkable. It's a range of wines that I I started because I for a long time before I moved to Preston I lived across from Edinburgh Gardens. And I just see all these kids in the park just smashing natty, we call them natty wines, you know, the natural ones. And, and I was like, oh, this, this is great. I think we need to, we can, I can get a wine just, I, I made this range of wines just for these guys sitting in the park. You can open it with a lighter, you can drink it out of a plastic cup. It's not, this is the one, you know, most, uh, all the other wines that I make are wines that are purely driven by TLR, the single vineyard, that they speak of the place that they come from. This is not, this is just purely a beverage to enjoy and consume. And, with your friends, it's very convivial. Yeah. I was worried it would be sweet, but it's not at all, oh, is no, it? No, it's no, really no. dry. Yeah, it's got to be refreshing. So. Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a bit sour and, and mm. dry mm -hmm. and definitely refreshing. Mm. And that color is just, it's fun. Yeah, it's, it's a really fun yeah. wine, definitely. It's meant to be, yeah. I mean, that's, it's a no sulfur wine. So, you know, to make Pet Nat, a Pet Nat has to be no sulfur. So zero, zero additives. It's basically fresh fruit that's crushed, put in a bowl with a little bit of sugar, and that's it. So it's quite good for you. It's good for your gut health as well. You know, you get good well, hello. microbes. Yeah, hello. <laughs> we ever need a good microbes. This is when we need them. So, I yeah. love it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It is, isn't it? Um, and the name, Candy Flip. Oh, the name's it's a bit cheeky. Yeah, it's cheeky. It's kind of a... Well, it was, it was fun. It was come up... We, it was invented by my ex, a citizen winemaker. So the name comes from when I lived in Manchester in the 90s. Or I lived in UK in the 90s and spent some time in Manchester. And that was the height of the nightclub factory scene. Um, and everybody, so candy flip is when you take LSD and then four hours later you take MDA, which it was in those days, and the moment that the two peak is a euphoric experience and it's referred to as the candy flip. I'm surprised anyone can do the timing if they're on... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I've actually never candy flipped this. Is, you know, yeah. yeah. Well, so I might know a guy who's done it. <laughs> no, it's, it's incredibly delicious oh, and yeah. it's fun. It's definitely fun. So I did... Um, I did have a think about some of the novels that I like that do reference that sort of drug scene. Um, you know, I mentioned like Naked Lunch by William Burroughs. Um, yeah, and um, I do love Lights Out in Wonderland by DBC Pierre. But they're all very dark, and they're you know they they, they really they weren't giving the vibe that this wine gives, which is fun and light and bright. Um, so what I decided on was the 100-year-old man who climbed out the window and disappeared by Jonas Jonasson. It is light, bright, playful, easy reading, 
super super easy <laughs> um, the park kind of material. oh absolutely read it in a day you know if you've got nothing else on mm. it's a funny clever heartwarming novel it was um the author's debut and it's kind of like a cross between the movies forrest gump and up if you oh, know yeah, those right. two yeah. it's kind of like that um so the 100 year old man is alan He's a wonderfully playful character. His love of vodka and indifference to politics combined with his ability to blow things up and get him into a lot of trouble. Um, through Alan, we see some of the momentous events of the 20th century in a new light. We travel from Sweden to Spain, from the US to China. It all starts on Alan's 100th birthday when, sitting quietly in his room in an old people's home, he's waiting for the party he never wanted anyway to begin. The mayor is gonna be there. The press is gonna be there. But as it turns out, Alan is not going to be there. Slowly but surely, Alan climbs out of his bedroom window into the flower bed in his slippers and makes his getaway. And so begins his unlikely journey involving criminals, several murders, a suitcase full of cash and incompetent police. As his escapades unfold, we learn something of his earlier life in which, remarkably, he helped to make the atom bomb, became friends with American presidents, <laughs> Russian tyrants and Chinese leaders, and was a participant behind the scenes in many key events of the 20th century. It is lively, light, bright, playful, and a fun read, and I highly recommend reading it with a vibrant tipple like the candy flip. Mm. He sounds like a guy I'd like to share a glass of wine with. Absolutely. Yeah. But you see what I mean about it being like Forrest Gump yeah. and up, you know, it's got that grumpy old man Cute, who's sort of had this amazing life yeah, cool. and doesn't really want to be recognized for being a hundred. Um, yes. It's really fun. Yeah. Really fun. So I'm sure that the candy flip is a crowd favorite. Do you have yeah. a particular favorite out of your ones? Uh, the pragmatic businessman in me loves what sells the quickest. Um, but it, it's funny, I, I haven't even shown you one of these, but uh, Jamsheed's name was made on single vineyard Syrahs, like complex, dark, brooding, age-worthy Syrahs. So, but it's funny, in today's economic climate, they don't sell as well as cheap, fun, enjoyable, smashable drinks, you know? Yeah. I mean, the Rissan, I love the Rissan for me because it's pretty rare. You know, it, it's very rare to find worldwide a lot of straight Rissan from single vineyard sites. Um, so if you can make a good one, it's, I'm you know, quite proud of that. Um, I like all my wines, you know, they're like children. Yeah, you, know, you can't know, pick one. You want to send some to boarding school. <laughs> <laughs> is that the candy flip? That's definitely yeah, the candy flip. Yeah, candy candy <laughs> it is when it doesn't ferment in bottle. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no. But you know, it's funny, like I've said for ages, like I always thought, and you know, my approach to winemaking always was from, you know, coming from my literary degree background, I always sort of have seen vineyards as an author and then every wine they produce every year is like their new novel. So, you know, one thing I've always loved about, you know, the, the, the authors that I read is that you can read any one of their books and not know the author, but you should be at some point be able to see their terroir, as we call it, you know, we call it the terroir and wines, you should be able to see their voice come through. And every year it's like, you want to see something subtly different. So we celebrate the differences in the wine every year from the same vineyard, but you want to it's kind of like, oh, I know that's 2018 because it was this, this, it was hot weather, it was dry, it was this, this one was a wet year. So that's the kind of thing we try to celebrate here mm. as well. Yeah. If I had to, and I wasn't prepared to do this at all, but if I had to match a, an author to Jamsheet as a general sort of overarching theme, I, from what you've just said, I, I would pick Colson Whitehead. Have you oh, heard yeah, of him? Yeah, cool. Because he, I think he's, he does exactly that. Every book of his is very, very different. I mean, yeah. he's got a zombie one. He's got yeah. the Underground Railroad, which is, you know, the Nickel Boys. 
all of these. Sorry, forklift noises. Working <laughs> winery. Working yeah. winery. Um, he's got all of these beautifully, beautifully written books, and they're all yeah. very, very different. But you can tell because the writing is is his style, yeah. and and I think you can tell if you read them all that they do come from the same source, albeit they are yeah, very, yeah. very different. So there you go. That was just a total no, off the cuff. Yeah, well, I mean that's the kind of thing I love. You know, sitting. Yeah, just being being able to immerse yourself. Like you know, one of my favorite authors in the world is William Gibson. William Gibson is very much the kind of guy like you know what you're going to get every time you pick up a William Gibson novel. It's going to be a, a, a hardball detective novel wrapped up in a bit of sci-fi fanfare, which I love. It's like comfort food to me. It's like Absolutely. Food. You know, but there's guys like my my go-to author is Raymond Carver. I've always loved the short story format, and it's been my so that that's where. You know, you make so many, I make 17 lines a year, and so I'm probably more like a short story than a, than a long, lengthy novel, you know? Uh, I love it, thinking about it that way, though. Yeah. It's really nice. That's the approach I get. I mean, it's just that each... And, you know, I've, I've, I've always loved the fact that if you can find a good vineyard, it, it's, a, it's a voice and a tower, voice tower, as we put it, is something to be celebrated, treasured, and, and exploited in the kindest possible way, you know? Yeah. And the only way you can do that is by doing... Doing it sensibly, um, sustainably, because it's like you know who who doesn't who wouldn't have wanted William Burroughs to live to 140 years and keep writing novels? You know, I mean, all, all the best authors die too young. Mm-hmm. So like, William actually gave you a kick, but um, you know, so so to be able to so in the same way that vineyards need to be treated. You know, we're we're facing really challenging times in the wine industry that our vineyards are changing year to year. We see these rapid changes. So and the fires wouldn't have helped. Oh God, it's been. Mm-hmm. Impossible, so you know, when we had it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, shall we move on to our last Third wine one. that we're tasting today? Sure. So, this is under screw cap, is the 2018 Map Petit Francine, which is a single vineyard Yarra Valley Cabernet Franc, which again is, is not the most common beast. I mean, the Yarra Valley is actually planted to a lot of Cabernet Franc, but not a lot of it gets fermented on its own into a single vineyard wine. Generally it's blended into a Cabernet blend, Bordeaux style blend. Uh, the name comes from my Kelpie, whose name is Francine. Oh. So Frank, Cap from Francine. That's the bit, yeah, she's a funny dog. That's so she's cute. She's so. I love winery dogs. She's a good dog. She's not allowed, she's a bit upset. She's not allowed her anymore because we make pizza. So there's food prep. She oh. would eat all the pizza. Oh, the poor thing. No, no she's all right. Mm. She's hanging out at home. She's fine. <laughs> um, so this is a single vineyard Cabernet Franc. Um, this is very much inspired by, and again, all, all the wines I've ever made a jam sheet. I mean, I'm not a trained winemaker. So, you know, I've come to this as a wine connoisseur and a wine drinker. Um, I only ever tried to emulate the wines that I like to drink. And I... I was fortunate enough to work in a couple of really good wine bars in London and came across a lot of really delicious Loire-style wines, which are heavily Cabernet Franc-based. So lots of whole bunches. Um, so that's instead of, you know, the commercial, common commercial winemaking would say that you remove the stems and toss them out before you start fermenting the reds. What we do with the Cabernet Franc and with all my reds is leave everything attached to the stems, throw them all into the tank together and ferment them. You get a completely different range of flavors and textures more intensity too yeah it kind of ramps everything up it's like turning the dial to 11 on everything so if you have spice there you're going to get a lot of spice you know if you the same problem if you've got fault it's going to ramp all those up too but Mm. done correctly you can come out with the most exciting vibrant lively yeah Mm. and this this is really juicy but it's quite dry and it's got a pepperiness to it that i really like 
Yeah, well, Capron can Capron can be a bit of a difficult beast to grow because it has this weird ripening quality. So you can on the same bunch you can have green peas to overripe sultana berries. Wow. <laughs> and yeah, it's difficult, but you know if you manage the the vineyard correctly, you'll get like a really interesting. It, I always think that there's a really nice feralness to it, like a, um, a kind of animal kind of quality, but it's it can be succulent but funky. It can be juicy, but also quite acid. It's it's very much a wine of sort of different composers and stars and wherever it comes from. So yes, yeah. I can tell that from the tasting notes that you sent me. And honestly, this was probably the hardest one. It took me a long time to choose a book, and I think I I think I got a good one. But the reason why I chose this book is. Um, Probably more to do with its deceptiveness and its funkiness than anything else. Um, so anyway, I chose Mr. Penumbra's 24-hour bookstore by Robin Sloan. The Great Recession has shuffled Clay Jannon away from life as a San Francisco web design drone and into the aisles of Mr. Penumbra's 24-hour bookstore. But after a few days on the job, Clay discovers that the store is more curious than either its name or its owner might suggest. The customers are few, and they never seem to buy anything. Instead, they check out large, obscure volumes from strange corners of the store. Totally clueless, yet suspicious, Clay engineers an analysis of the clientele's behaviour, seeking help from his variously talented friends. But when they bring their findings to Mr. Prenumbra, they discover the bookstore's secrets extend far beyond its walls. What follows is a fantastical series of events involving secret book nerd societies, typography, ancient artefacts, codes and puzzles, the capabilities of computers, and the coolest bookstore you've ever heard of. It's a collision of ancient mystery and very modern internet savvy characters. It's a juicy, red berry, funky, and vibrant read. And uh, I like it, so I thought that it would just work. I'm definitely going to check it out. <laughs> it's really fun, and um, it's different. And I think that this is the same. This, this yeah. is a beautiful wine, it, but it has a difference to it. It's not what I'm used to drinking. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of a, you know, a Jam Sheet's always been about the path less trodden, I hope, you know, it's never, never been about making wines. Well, actually, having said that, the Cantor is definitely wine that was made to suit a certain market, but I've always wanted just the idea of like finding a vineyard and letting the vineyard do what it wants. So, you know, we were talking about middle intervention and what, a, what input a winemaker has on, of course, we have major input on it, but the, the idea with Jam Sheet's always been to express these vineyards to their fullest extent by doing as little as possible. And that's what happens with the Cabernet Franc. So mm. stick a whole lot of bunches into a tank, let it go, bottle it, and hope the hell that it turns out right for a... Well, this, this one, one did. Went, yeah. This one did, this one yeah. Went, yeah. So what do you think about my matches? Yeah, they're great. I've got some books I want to read now. This one oh. sounds great. I really like Mr. Penumbra, yeah. It's a, it's a really great. Do oh, you have yeah. any suggestions? Matching? Well, I think, as I told you before, I'm, I'm deeply immersed in the sci-fi world now, so... I'm reading the moment, Children of Time at the moment, but I like hard sci-fi, so it's always sort of... I, I, I find that the um, my, my reading definitely doesn't, you know, that I like to think that my wines are quite cerebral and evocative and complex. A lot of the stuff I read is not really that complex. It's quite just entertaining. But yeah, the reading, reading for me, as I mentioned to you before, I mean, I, I have a literature degree, so I spend a lot of time reading the... Know, the Derrida's and the Foucault's of the world, which used to drive me mad and actually almost sent me into a, a depression of sorts at some point. 
and I was so happy that when I finally realised I don't have to read these anymore, I don't have to live your life by these. And so I now celebrate it by reading the trashiest sci-fi I can find. <laughs> but aren't you pleased that you too. have read them in the past? And then I have read them, yeah, yeah sure. I just yeah. don't want to read them again. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, <laughs> I, I love, just it. Read I them love it. Um, well, that's it from me. Is there anything you want to mention about Jamsheet or any events you've got going on? No, we've got the new bar open, so come and have a look. We're at 4 Albert Street. Preston, so come awesome. in and have a drink, try the wines that you've had. Feel free to come in and read a book. It's a lovely, quiet space. It's a chill space, so you can come and read a book and have a glass of wine and have a pizza. Nice, I love that. It We'd sounds. Love to see you here. It yeah. sounds great. I'm definitely going to come and check it yeah, out. Yeah, please. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Gary. Thank you. Gary also shared some of his recommended reads, which of course happened after I finished recording. He suggested Infinite Detail by Tim Morn as a fantastic science fiction read. Terra Nullius by Claire Coleman is the best Australian novel he said he's read in a long time, unexpected and brilliantly conceived. And Warlight by Michael Ondarch is a book of precision writing, not a word out of place and so detailed, Gary had to recommend it. That's all from me, folks. Remember to check out Jamsheed on Instagram at Jamsheed Wines and do let me know if you have any suggestions for any kind of literature pairing with a delicious elixir. You can find Literary Elixirs on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Literary Elixirs. And if you're interested in more information such as notes and photos from each episode, check out LiteraryElixirs.com. Enjoy all elixirs responsibly and remember, books go with pretty much anything. Oh,